A lot of uh, podcasts that I've listened to have a little section on there where people, they read out emails, contacts that they've had with other people that are making comments about their podcasts or questions. And I'm pleased to say that even this early on in the series, I've got some to read out as well, some feedback, which I thought, well, I'd share it with everybody. Um, One of them says, oh my God, Dad, what do you think you're doing? This is awful. Um, that's from Big Boy Thirty Two. Thank you. I know who you are. Um, another one here from somebody else is ha 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 ha. Oh my. Um, yeah. Now, if I read the rest of that out, I'd have to put one of those explicit things on there. But um, thank you for that, David. Um, a few others. Oh, yeah. This is a good one. It's. Um, for heaven's sake, Dad, will you stop going on about whiskey? That's from Anna. Thank you very much for that one, Anna. I think that rounds it up for today. Um, if anybody else has any comments, preferably something a little bit more positive, please send them on to me. Hello. And thank you for downloading this, the third episode of the Malted Muse podcast. I have just been listening to the first two episodes, and well, I have a passion for whiskey, not for technology, and that's showing. All I will say is that I am learning and the technical quality will get better, honest. The first episode was an introduction, and the second episode was me explaining how I taste whiskey. Now, tasting is a subjective thing, and we all get different things from it. But I wanted you to understand the process that I go through to get what I get from a dram. Now episodes one and two are done, I feel we can truly start this series, what the uh, the Malted Muse podcast is about. In this episode, I want to speak a little bit about three elements. The first is water. And I'd like to link this episode to two whiskies, Glenlivet's Nadura, 16-year-old, and Abelor's Abuna, the cast strength. Now, both these whiskies are relevant, and I will... I'll, I'll let you find that out for yourself. If you speak Gaelic, it'll be obvious to you, um, but you'll have fun finding out. Both these whiskies are a bit edgy, got a bit of an edge to the flavour of them, and they're both complex. So take your time with them. Explore these whiskies, you'll get so much from them. And if you listened to the last episode, you may remember that I'm not a great fan of adding water to my whisky. I have nothing against people doing it, it's just a matter of personal preference. However, a little bit of a warning here, when tasting the Abuna, Try adding a little bit of water. This is one of the few whiskies that I do do that too, and there's a good reason for it. It is a powerful whisky, not just in in the amount of alcohol that's in it, but also in its flavour. It's a whisky that's so powerful. Drink too much of it neat, you're going to end up with a sore throat. So add a little bit of water to it, and you will find that this whisky does open up more so. 
and you can actually get into those beautiful complex flavors that are in there as well as the aroma the nose a little bit of water just opens itself up to you now i was going to have a moan and the reason i was going to moan is that it's been raining i've got wet i've had to take some shelter but there's two things that have stopped me having a moan one is reading stuff in the news about uh, the flooding in pakistan the amount of suffering that's going on there and the second thing is that i've been listening to episode 275 of mark gillespie's whiskey cast um whiskey cast the cask strength podcast i have to be honest is um not only is it a fantastic podcast series but it's one of the main inspirations behind me doing my own set of podcasts please go and visit that mark's site and listen to his, his um, podcasts you will get so much from them and if you listen to the recent ones it gives you the chance to give so much to somebody else as well because mark is running what he calls the whiskey of life drive on behalf of a charity called charity water um, it's a very worthwhile cause. It's a group, an organisation that gets drinking water into developing countries that are really struggling at the moment. It's a strange world we live in, isn't it? I, I have to resist moaning about water. People in Pakistan are suffering, they have too much water, and yet here we are needing to help people get even the basics of water, um, even small amounts, just to, just to survive. Now, if you want to donate to that cause, and please do, one way of doing that is to visit mycharitywater.org slash whiskeycast. I'm sure Mark won't mind me mentioning this. Um, he's doing a marvellous job there, and all the support you can get, the better. Now, water is a powerful thing. Even in our comfortable, everyday life, we can tell the difference between fresh and stale water, or hard and soft water. And yet, despite having a very good domestic water system, people still buy bottled water or use water filters. In the past, the water source has been seen as one of the most important aspects in citing a distillery. Some, like Abelor, proudly display the source on the bottle. Yet some distilleries, however, will happily use mains water and claim that it makes no difference at all. Now, the reality is that it does make a difference. The taste difference may be very small, even undetectable, and there are people who say that it is so small that you can't detect it with the human palate. But the difference is there, and it's there in other aspects of the whiskey. Now, I've always said whiskey is a drink, and if it's not going to be drunk, then it's not a drink, and then it's not whiskey. But, I want to add a little bit more to that. You see, whiskey is a drink, but it's actually more than a drink. It's a lot more. When I buy a whiskey, when I raise my glass and I look at it, I don't want to see a sterile measure of flavoured alcohol. I want to see a measure of the distillery, of the country that it's come from. I want to hold in my hand a bit of that country's history and the nature of it. See, water's used to ferment the barley, it's used to cool the distillate, and it's used to reduce that spirit down to a bottable strength. 
it's important it's it's part of the whole process of whiskey making and i don't want that to be an industrial process i want that to be a craft i want the sauce to be cared for and treasured because even if the taste isn't affected by by the the source of the water the associations and the belief the relationship of the whiskey that is affected whiskey takes me on a journey and i want to be taken to the peaty brown rivers that run through the country or the cool fresh springs that bubble up from the ground that's where i want to go i don't want to be taken to some metal pipe with a tap on the end of it okay so rain's eased off i've come back outside and here i am in the soil now this is where whiskey began not um not here in derbyshire i'm in derbyshire england not here in derbyshire in fact i, I don't think this area has got any real association with whiskey um there's a shop in bakewell called the weed ram very good shop that's only a few miles away worth a visit um but other than that i'm not aware of any any great association there's a liqueur the high peak liqueur which is made with whiskey um but that's it really i think so how how can i make this claim that this is where whiskey starts well i don't not here in derbyshire what i mean by that is whiskey starts in the soil where the cereal grows i mean not every country uses barley um but scotland does ireland does malt barley it starts here in the soil now the soil that i've got here oh god it's lovely stuff now i know i know it's lovely stuff because i look after it i i dig it i turn it i feed it and when i pick it up crumble it in my hands oh look at that what a fantastic smell that lovely rich humus little bit of manure little bit of decomposition going on but you know you can smell it's it's full of energy full of nutrients I know what whatever goes in here is going to do well because it's looked after. Well, whiskey's the same, isn't it? When it's looked after, it does well. Now the thing is, after eight hours or so of digging this soil, I'm getting tired. My my arms are aching, my back's aching. I'm hot and sweaty with the with the activity, but the wind has chilled my face. I'm I'm still wet from before. I'm ready for a dram. When I go home, have a whiskey. You know that whiskey is going to relax me. It's going to uh, it's going to warm me up. It's going to it's going to loosen my mind and my tongue just that little bit, so that after the isolation of today, I can I can have nice friendly social chitter chatter with my family, with my friends. Wonderful stuff. And one of the wonderful things about it is that is a process that's been going on for hundreds of years. I mean, let's imagine this. Let's go back in time, and let's say, not only if I dug this soil and I've grown the barley in it, but then I've ground the barley, I've I've turned it into into a wash, I've distilled it into my own whiskey. Oh God, that's going to taste good. And that whiskey not only tastes good, it helps me survive. It helps me cope with the hard life that I live, and the stuff that I've got left over, I'm selling that. And the money I make from it puts clothes on my back. It puts 
puts food in my children's mouth. Do you know, it's, it's an important thing to me. So let's imagine what happens when a government, not my own government, but a government from another country, says, OK, you can't do that anymore. If you do do it, you've got to pay taxes or you've got to pay a fine. In fact, we're so certain we're going to try to stop you doing it. We're going to send armed people, officials, soldiers. We're going to send people up to physically stop you from doing it. Now, how do I respond to that? How would you respond to that? You know, it's no wonder, is it? It's no wonder that people started smuggling. People started doing it secretly. People found ways around it that that fights broke out, that, that there was great trouble that led to rebellion. It's no wonder that the drink itself became so important, not just as important as it was before, but now it's become a statement, a statement of independence. Now, what country is it that I'm in that I'm saying this from? I, I know I'm in Derbyshire in England, but back in the past, in this role that I'm imagining myself in, where am I? Am I in Scotland? Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm in Ireland. Or maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm in America. You know, it's happened in quite a few places. Sadly, the foreign government that's doing this tended to be the English government. You know, whiskey is not just a drink. It is a drink, but it is so much more. OK, so I've been wet with rain, but I'm, I've dried off now. My hands are still dirty from digging the soil. But um, I've paused for a little bit and I've breathed in this fantastic, clean, peak district air that surrounds me. It's fantastic, brilliant. And uh, the air is it's carrying some scent. It's carrying that, that beautiful, just rained smell. That has got a hint of freshly cut grass to it. And, you know, a few weekends ago, I was somewhere else. I was down on the south coast of England. And there the air was different again. It was this beautiful, vibrant sea, salty sea air. Fantastic. See, we need air to breathe. Of course we do. And so does whiskey. When it's in the cask, it breathes. You know, some of that whiskey gets lost. A thing that they, we call the angel's share. And that's quite an interesting little side issue here that... The way that it gets lost, different, it changes to where you are. So in Scotland, for example, um, the angel's share is mainly alcohol. The longer it's in the cask, the less alcohol there's in that cask. Loads and loads of whiskey goes off to the angels every day. And yet in other countries, the hotter climates, um, America, for example, the alcohol actually intensifies. So when kept for a long period of time, the, the whiskey in that cask is getting stronger. The water tends to evaporate instead. The thing is, whilst it's in that cask, it's breathing. It's, it's swapping flavours with the cask itself. Some of the unpleasant flavours that are in the new make spirit are mellowed off. They're smoothed out. They get absorbed by the wood and some of the the well, depending where the cask comes from whether it's a sherry cask a port pipe an ex-bourbon barrel some of those flavors come through along with some of the flavors that, that are actually there in the wood as well um vanilla flavors for example um come through and it, it's an important part of the process 
And that is why there is now an active market for single cask whiskies. And frequently, these these whiskies will be coming from warehouses that the the distillery workers know like the back of their hands. They know where to go in those warehouses to get the cask that they want. They have their little sweet spots. And, of course, if there's sweet spots within a warehouse and there's more than one warehouse, then the warehouses themselves are going to be different. You know, there has to be a difference between casks that are matured on site and those that are matured in a, in a centralised warehousing system. Yeah, I mean, my view is a quite a simple one. If a whiskey is from a region, it should be from that region. There has to be a difference between a whiskey that's stored in a warehouse where the sea is buffeting up against the side of that warehouse or a whiskey that is stored in a warehouse in the middle of moorland surrounded by heather-filled scents or a whiskey that is matured in a huge industrial estate there has to be a different so my feeling is if a whiskey's from a region it should be from that region and that includes being matured in that region not only does it support local employment but i am sure that it changes the taste i mean it has to and okay to store it all on site may may lead to actually costing a little bit more but i think it's worth it there are problems however i mean some distilleries literally don't have the space to be able to do that they can't mature everything on site and there are some places that actually i'm not too sure i'd want them to you know if you get take a a place like isla well the island would just disappear under the amount of warehousing that was needed we wouldn't want that some level of centralised warehousing or off-site warehousing is needed, and that's okay, as long as we know about it. You know, just make it clear. So, for example, say, Highland whisky matured in the lowlands or whatever. Anyway. Anyway, maybe that's enough ranting for one episode. I wanted to talk a little bit about these three elements, water, soil and air, because they relate so well to whisky. They are natural, simple, yet so important. They can cause so much harm, and yet so much pleasure. And whiskies like that causes so much pleasure. But if you abuse it, if you're not responsible with it, then there's harm there as well. These things, these three elements, they're the basics which we can all appreciate. And uh, I think that sort of to understand those three elements helps you to understand the whiskey, helps you develop that relationship with the whiskey. Well, I look forward to, to the next episode and I hope you'll join me. Um, if you want to contact me, you can at jim at themaltedmuse.com or, of course, you can visit me on the website. Contact me through the website, if you wish. The website is, of course, themaltedmuse.com. Um, next episode, we're looking at relating a story to a whiskey. And the whiskey to go with that. 
will be a Taliban. Thank you.